And welcome to Detention, where apparently being anti-Semitic is more popular than Yeezys. Yeah. There's been a lot of stuff about anti-Semitism lately that we'll get into. From, like, very uh, prominent people, too, which is very strange to kind of... Well, well, one of them's a little bit more stranger than the other. They're they're both prominent, but they're both also not intelligent. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. Which makes sense as why they're saying anti-Semitic things. I do associate anti-Semitism with low intelligence. Yeah. So if you are offended by that... You have low intelligence. <laughs> Just saying. Must. All right. Uh, Cody, have you ever heard about Murphy's Law? Yeah. Where it's the notion that anything that can go wrong will go wrong? Yeah. Happens to me a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you ever heard of Cole's Law? No. Oh, well, it's thinly sliced cabbage. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I saw something coming. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't want to answer that. Oh, you should have if you knew it. I didn't, though. Like, I oh. knew it was going to be something dealing with the food. I just yeah. didn't know which way it was going to go. Well, Cole's Law is thinly sliced cabbage. Cool. <laughs> All right, getting into sports right at the top of the back. Some pretty big news with our former Hawkeye, TJ Hawkinson, got traded in div- in division. Yeah. From that was the, the Lions part. From the Lions to the Vikings. I don't understand what the Lions are benefiting from that. Me either, because in exchange for this deal, the Lions are going to receive a 2023 second round pick and a 2024 third round pick. While the Vikings get TJ Hawkinson as well as a 2023 fourth round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth round pick assuming Hawkinson passes his medical examination to play for the team and that uh, Minnesota goes on to win and play in one playoff game. Well, to be fair, this year. I was watching pregame and Hawkinson was suited up running drills. So I would imagine he cleared the, his health screening or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. It's very lopsided. He's one, Right. He's one of the... He best is tight ends. one of the best tight ends in the last three years since he entered the league. He has over 2,000 catches and like 16 touchdowns in that time, which yeah. is a lot. Well, and I was watching the Lions game earlier today, and they were saying that he was their leading receiver. Yeah. What? Yeah, I don't know. And for only having an exchange, two different picks, a second round and a third round, and those two years, 2023 and 2024, that is not a fair trade. No. It's almost like the Vikings just stole him. Yeah. It's just straight up. I mean, he is literally swapping roles like worst to best. Yeah. So, I was going to go into that too. Good on here. Him. He's, he's now going from the worst team uh, in the division, the Lions, which were one and six, to now first place with the Vikings being six and one. They're losing as we speak right now. But it's crazy. I don't understand what type of front I, office decision made that call or thought that that would be a good idea, but um, it's almost like trying to get rid of uh, Megatron. Yeah, well, he retired. Right. I, I was actually about to make that, but he's no Megatron. No, he's no Megatron. He's important to your offense. Uh, who is Hutchinson? Is that the new defensive yeah. lineman that they just got? It'd be like getting rid of him in a couple years. Right. After the season that he's been having. Yeah. It's like, that's fucking ridiculous. I don't get it either. It makes no sense. But... Did you have any other trade deals for 
NFL that you want to discuss? Yeah, because the trade deadline just happened. And so just some notable ones that I found. I think I have seven here. Uh, Robert Quinn, one of the, I think one of their better D linemen, went from the Bears to the Eagles. Naheem Hines went from the Colts to the Bills. Chase Claypool went from the Steelers to the Bears. Roquan Smith went from the Bears to the Ravens. I'm kind of surprised this happened, but also kind of not. That's also another deal where it's like the Bears lost out on that. Yeah. Even the like the Ravens, again, got to steal with that. Yeah. He's one of their best linebackers, and the Bears didn't get shit for Honestly, him. Honestly, the Bears traded, in my personal opinion, their two best defensive players for what? No. Chase Claypool? For picks. Yeah, and Chase Claypool. Yeah, yeah just... Roquan Smith wanted to trade at the beginning of the season. That's why I'm not surprised. But he said he was going to stick it out and be a professional, and he sure as shit was. But I don't, I don't understand that at all. Anyway, Calvin Ridley from the Falcons to the Jaguars, which, I mean, Calvin Ridley's not playing this season anyway, but that's going to be good for the Jaguars next season. Mm-hmm. Bradley Chubb from the Broncos to the Dolphins, and then A.J. Klein from the Ravens to the Bears. Bradley Chubb was another one that surprised me because it was also one of those things where it's like, why did Denver do that? Like, they didn't really get much better. I mean, I guess they got Chase uh, Chase Edmonds, mm-hmm. a running back, which I don't really see the need for a running back. You have Melvin Gordon, who has been fumble-prone this year, but they also have uh, – what's that guy's name? I think it's like Javon Williams or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's been pretty good the past few games that I've seen. So some of these I just don't understand. I really don't. I was very, I wasn't very surprised, but it was interesting to see where Claypool landed, and how. And I saw a report to this too that the Packers were very interested in getting him. They just could not actually get a deal. Which, if you are the Packers, and they just had a wide receiver today get injured and is out for the rest of the season. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I saw him get injured. Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs. Yeah, yeah. I think they said he's out for the rest of the season. You already have a very young, very inexperienced receiving core. That are constantly getting injured. Lazard, I don't think, is playing because he's injured. He's playing. Oh, is he? Yeah. He was the one getting me 16 points on my fantasy while on the bench. Was he? But it's just insane. If you were the Packers organization, you would, I would think, do literally anything to get your quarterback some offensive help. You would think. And just not. Let him go to a rival team also. Extra sting. <laughs> Basketball news? Yes. So this is where a lot of the anti-Semitism comes in. Not with the first one. True. I mean, it's linked with it. Yes, But in a separate context. So this one, again, yes and no surprised me. Steve Nash, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, is no longer the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, There's a lot of turmoil with Steve Nash coming in last year. There's a lot of people who said he didn't deserve it uh, just because. Even a couple years ago, he came in in 2020. No, this last year was his first year. He came in in September of 2020. He was hired September of 2020. I read that this morning. Mm. So he's uh, had he's had two seasons with them. I'd have to look at that. But he is 94 and 67 as a head coach. I would definitely have to look at that. Either way, doesn't matter. He hasn't been a coach very long. When he became their head coach, there was a lot of issue because they said that he didn't deserve it. That um, just because he was a player doesn't mean he knows how to coach, and because that was his first coaching literally job. anything right never coached anything so i also did kind of have a problem with it i like steve nash so but like that doesn't mean anything in terms of like basketball prowess with coaching but he didn't have a good year last year with the james harden and Kyrie and 
uh, Kevin Durant issues all last year, and he was having to plug and play people. And I think for what he had to work with, he did a good job last year. But then they started two and five this year. Um, Kyrie was back. Durant was back. They were having bigger hopes, but just could not figure something out. He got fired. There were some talks about who the next head coach was going to be, whether that was going to be Ime Udoka, if you remember we were talking about him with the Boston Celtics and being suspended for a year. That hasn't been solidified or not. So right now they're doing an interim coach. I don't know who their front runners are. But that was kind of interesting to see just because I thought it was too early in the season to do that. Yeah, it's only seven games. Right. Yeah. So there had to have been more stuff behind the scenes. From what I read, that it was a mutual parting of the ways, which, cool, he was probably tired of it. They were probably tired of all the drama. I mean, he was friends with the uh, general manager, Sean Marks, for the Nets. So, I mean, there's a little bit of nepotism there of he's my friend. We used to play together when we were both in the league. I'm going to let him be my head coach. And then it not working out. Luckily, he didn't run and keep him around for too long to see if he would end up being disastrous, which I don't think Steve Nash would be like disastrous, but... And yeah, Steve Nash doesn't like to lose. So for him, I think that was probably where he was coming from with leaving is like, this isn't working out here. Let's go try to find something else where it can work. I don't think a lot of the players were bought into him. So I think that might have been an issue, too. Probably not. I mean, also, you have a lot of personalities in that locker room to kind of deal with. Oh, my God. Yes. you With do. having Harden, you have less. But then you also have Ben Simmons, who is still having physical and mental issues that are preventing him from playing uh Kyrie stuff which we'll get in here in just a little bit Kevin Durant on and off IR for various uh injuries that he's had so yeah very still injured yeah so it's it's a lot of just kind of bullshit that I'm sure he's somewhat happy to just wash his hands of yeah and walk away with a I'm sure a decent amount of money yeah getting into the Kyrie situation though Kyrie Irving is not the most intelligent man in the world. He's a flat earther. Did you know that? I did, actually. Crazy guy. I will say, he is a super generous person. He does care a lot about communities, um, a lot about social injustice. He does a lot for that kind of thing. So I can't knock Kyrie completely for being a bad person. He genuinely does care about a lot of really important issues, and he stands up for them, which is why he's missed a lot of time over the last few years for basketball and why Stephen A. Smith has a lot of not hate, but challenges what he does quite a bit Mm -hmm. because even Stephen A. Smith will say like he does a lot for his communities, but you need to work. Um, But moving past that is he has been suspended for five games. It might be indefinitely now. I'm not entirely sure. I saw indefinitely. Okay. Cause at first it was five games. So now that definitely makes a lot more sense. But without pay for what is quoted as saying, refusing to disavow anti-Semitism. Because from what I understand, he had tweeted um, like a clip or he tweeted something about a movie which had anti-Semitic like tropes. and Yeah, it was a a documentary that kind of promotes anti-Semitic tropes. And the director themselves is a Holocaust denier. And then contains within the documentary a fabricated quote from Adolf Hitler that perpetuates another anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that Jews are responsible for the transatlantic slave trade. <laughs> so, yeah, 
he may be a nice guy for his community, but he also seems to have at least not enough knowledge or wherewithal right. or education or whatever you want to fucking call it for yes. Jewish people. <laughs> I mean, with so, every person, there's good and bad. I'm not going to defend Kyrie for this. I'm not. Because um, this is obviously a huge problem. I do want to say, though, that he does a lot for his community. So just don't like. Don't knock on what he's already done. But this is a huge problem. And I looked at what it would take for him to be reinstated. And there's six items. This is a tweet by Shams. He's a basketball. He's like Adrian Wojnarowski, but not as big. He's okay. huge, but not as big. Anyway, mm-hmm. he has to apologize and condemn. He's apologized and then condemn the movie, which he had a, he had a press conference and, like said, I'm sorry for my tweets, but never actually disavowed the movie and said he wasn't anti-Semitic. So he like skirted that. Yeah, he was asked kind of up front if he would um, basically, or asked if he has any anti-Semitic views, yes or no, and he did not answer. Right. <laughs> so it's like, God damn it. <laughs> so on top of that, he has to do a $500,000 donation to anti-hate causes, which... He's used to donating, so I can't imagine that's going to be too much. Uh, he has to do sensitivity training, anti-Semitic training, meet with the ADL and Jewish leaders, so the ADL's Anti-Defamation League. And then he has to meet with Joe Sy, who is the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, to demonstrate the understanding of it. Joe Sy is really fed up with this, and I would be too. I was actually talking to one of my friends recently about this whole situation, and for me, I don't know how any other owner of a team, no matter how talented Kyrie is, because he's one of the best ball players in the world. I don't know how any other team, besides maybe LA Lakers, because they are desperate, takes this guy. Yeah. He is too much of a liability. Just not only with everything here that we're talking about with his social views in terms of this kind of thing, but if you know the history of Kyrie Irving, he has missed a lot of time for helping his community and standing up for what he believes in, which I do admonish, not admonish, I do uh, appreciate. But he misses half of a season because he doesn't want to get vaccinated for personal reasons, fine, whatever. But then he misses games because he was trying to focus on something with him. It's like, dude, you're getting paid to play and you are not, Playing. playing yeah but then he wants max contract money for how good he is and he should for how good he is but he's not playing so he shouldn't get it it's a whole disaster i do want to say i will speak my problem with what the nba did and it's not his suspension it's the reasoning for his suspension and how they went about it because this this might make people mad at me but whatever just understand where it's coming from the phrase refusing to disavow anti-Semitism is where I have a problem. It's not the fact that they want him to disavow, and I think he should. My problem is he's a human being. He has his own personal beliefs, and he has a right to those personal beliefs. And as a league, you can be against it. As a team, you can be against it. But you cannot make this person believe something that they don't want to believe in. That's kind of where I have a problem with this. I would say it's more of a litany test then. 
litmus test of be like, well, disavow it to show that you actually do. And if you don't, that means you obviously have some type of hate towards Jewish people in you, and we do not want to be associated with you. Right. So that's how I would look at it. It's not so much of like, do what's against you as a person in order mm-hmm. to play and keep your job. It's just we want to see how you actually are. Right. And once you show those colors, oh, then you're out. And it's just hard for me with sports because sports are a very different monster in terms of employment than any other business, right? Any business that you go to, like if I were at the bank and I said things that were anti-Semitic, I could get fired because that's against what the bank wants, right? But just the way that sports works, they're if in a way they're independent contractors going from team to team and it's for entertainment. So the reason you are there is to entertain and to make that place money. Mm -hmm. Is this causing that team to lose money? It could be, but I just have an issue with them saying, because you don't agree with me in this organization on this, we're going to suspend you. That's where I have a little bit of an issue. I don't have an issue with the reasoning because I think anti-Semitism is bad, but just the way that they word it, worded it was a problem for me. They could have worded it differently where they say, you don't agree with the organization's I, I don't know, outlook or the organization's what's the word I'm looking for. I wish I knew. I mean, just generic platform. I don't know. Yeah. Just something that was a little bit more generic that you could make the argument, but just saying, because he's refusing to disavow anti-Semitism that is so narrow that to me, it's just washy. I, I just don't like the way that they worded it because to me, it's like he has his own personal beliefs. He's entitled to those. I don't agree with them and I don't condone them, but it's his own personal beliefs. It's like me getting suspended from the bank because I don't want to use a product and I wouldn't use a product, but I'm not going to tell other people to stop using this. Like it just, it doesn't make sense. I guess so. A little different when it's a group of people. Again, I agree with that. <laughs> I completely agree with that. Because you know how his feelings would be if people were being, if like a white player was yes. being racist against black people. Right. Completely different. You Absolutely. Know, you know how he would be. And it's just like, okay, now take that same anger and frame of mind and place that as, oh, you're hating on Jewish people. Right. <laughs> Connect those dots and I'm sure it makes it a lot easier for you. But anyway, Iowa Sports News. Yes. Another dub. Two weeks in a row. is It's looking like we're on fire, man. Yeah. Well, for a game and a half. Yeah. And once they kind of, I think, got that 24-3 lead into this uh, second half in the third quarter, I think they really held off. But Iowa offense did look good. Did look good again this weekend uh, against Purdue. At least for the first half, like I mentioned, Spencer Petrus was 13 for 23 for 192 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Most of that basically coming in the first half. I mean, he, I don't think, completed much at all in the second half. And if he got any yards, it was very marginal. I think he had 180-something going into the half. So I don't think he got much of anything. Caleb Johnson, on the other hand, had 22 carries for 200 yards and one touchdown, uh, averaging just over nine yards a carry, which is Really good to see. It's promising. And we had a good feeling about how he was, just how he runs. His style of running is just very smooth, um, very effortless, has really good um, vision moving through. There's a lot of good cuts that he made. Um, 
yesterday. It was just fun to watch. He's the first 200-yard rusher since 2015 when Akram Wadley did it against Northwestern. So it's seven years since having a 200-yard rusher in a game, which Especially sucks. with our offensive line is super impressive. Yeah, I mean, think about that time in 2015 to now. How many offensive linemen have we had drafted? Four? About. Yeah, so that's uh, sh- kind of shitty. <laughs> what? I don't even think Linderbaum and Worfs were there at the time. They weren't, but right. just in that time, I mean, you you have within seven years, it's probably higher than that, actually. Yeah. Higher than probably four guys drafted. So you would think you'd have a couple more people at least get close to that, but apparently not. Uh, the defense held one of the most efficient and explosive offenses in the Big Ten to only three points. I mean, they showed a graphic uh, at one of the times that Purdue was down in the red zone. They had like a 92% conversion percentage of gaining points. 73% were on touchdowns, and yet they only got three points the entire game, which is pretty good. Uh, Purdue's defense is not very good, though, looking at it. It was bad. I mean, our offensive line made them look good at some points where they just came on off just completely unblocked, but that was because of the motion of the play for a naked bootleg that got an easy sack one-on-one against a very heavy-footed, not mobile quarterback like Petrus. So, yeah, Purdue's defense looked like shit, and Iowa's defense really held in check Aiden O'Connell. I thought my whole worry was, like, their run game is not going to be that good, but he is one of the best quarterbacks in our league that he can really just sling it, and he really wasn't able to do much. So that's good to see. Uh, Iowa's next two games out of the last three are at home against two top 50 defenses in Wisconsin and Minnesota. So with that, this is what I'm going to end on. I know you have a different opinion on it, is that if Iowa wins out going 8-4 and four for their season and Illinois loses two of its next three games, which are at Purdue and then having Michigan at home and then Northwestern, if Illinois wins two of those last three, which Northwestern gave Ohio State a scare yesterday. So who knows how much of a fire they still have. Doubt it. Um, Iowa can win the West if they win out and Illinois loses two games. They won't. You don't think? Nope, not even slightly. I'm having some faith. I I think if we're bowl eligible, we'll be lucky. We need one game in three, and I feel like the only way we'll actually do that is Nebraska I think that we will just squeak by bull eligibility. I do. Six and six. I'm a little bit more hopeful. I'm going that... Um, you called seven and five at the beginning of the year, didn't you? I called it for my personal self, seven and five. The data that I was using, which isn't based in anything legitimate, told me six and six. Do you remember when I told you we were going to beat Purdue? Yeah. Yeah, we beat Purdue. We did beat Purdue. Yeah. So, so I mean, don't, to be fair, if we went out, my guess of saying eight and four and we're going to be Purdue will be true. Yeah, yours is, yeah. But it won't happen. Oh. <laughs> Not going to hold true to your own. I won't, no. Nope. Right. Looking at how the season's played out, no. All right. Six and six. And we beat Purdue. Well, yeah. Pretty handily. Yes. Politics and news. This yeah. one is um, a little older. Yes. It's not new, new. I mean, it was new... Um, Last week, late last week, mm-hmm. uh, before we recorded with our guest Colin, but uh, wanted to cover it this week 
where the attack on Paul Pelosi. So on October 28th, Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband, was attacked with a hammer by an intruder named David DePape. I'm assuming I'm saying that correctly. We'll get into his nationality here in just a little bit, but he was looking forward at Nancy Pelosi, who was in Washington, D.C. at the time. Um, he said that he was creating a list, or he had a list, a hit list, where Nancy was on it with other high kind of ranking Democratic officials. He said uh, in a police statement, um, I'm sick of the insane fucking levels of lies coming out of Washington's D.C., DePape said. I came here to have a little chat with his wife, is what he was saying. Allegedly admitted uh, he intended to take Nancy Pelosi hostage and then break her kneecaps if she, quote-unquote, lied to him. Then she would be wheeled into Congress, which would show her members of Congress uh, what were the consequences of actions for lying. Um, Also stated that he never really cared about what would happen to him, intending that this was going to be a suicide mission. He didn't enter the house with any guns or anything. He just came in with a uh, two hammers and zip ties. Was really about it. Uh, DePape is being held at the San Francisco County Jail, and he faces 13 years to life in prison if convicted uh, of state charges including attempted murder, burglary, and an elder abuse. He has pleaded not guilty, <laughs> which is kind of funny because the story that I read is that he was like talking with Paul Pelosi for a little bit before police arrived. And even when police arrived, he was telling them, don't worry, everything's fine. And then Paul Pelosi made a move and then he had to attack him. And at that point, the cops came in and tackled him to the ground. So how is it, how can you plead guilty in a sense of, I don't know. He is crazy though, obviously. So it doesn't really matter too much. It's, there's a lot of things to, I guess we could dig into and unpack about this. Um, The thing I want to say about the break-in, though, is that I, from the article we had, there was a couple different links to other articles, and uh, there's this one from Newsweek that's talking about a term of domestic terrorism now being known as called ungrouping. So it's virtually where you have domestic terrorists that we like to think of as like the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys. Yeah. Or the KKK, whatever you want to use, right? But this one is where people doing domestic terrorism are doing it without being associated with something like those. So there, this trend is becoming more more popular, so it's getting really hard to like kind of track. But just, especially with this case, I mean, and you can make cases for other ones too, but this one in particular... It is, once again, being driven from right-wing extremism. Like, the fact that you want to break in and hurt somebody because of what you believe to be them causing things, that's a problem. That is a huge problem. And is being funneled by the fear-mongering on the far right. Yeah. And... Do you want to transition to that now? Sure. For the next kind of topic sure. on this is Marjorie Taylor Greene, more or less blaming, or not even more or less, literally blaming Democrats for this attack. Yeah. Which is pretty strange. Um, she is saying that 
the attack is based on the fact that Democrat Democratic policies in regarding immigration and gun laws are to blame for this. Um, she says that if Paul Pelosi was a two A supporting gun owner, he would have shot the man that was trying to kill him. Uh, she also said in a tweet, "It's dangerous Democrat policies that led to Paul Pelosi being attacked." Um, fucking. Well, I have a couple of different things I could talk about, and here's one of the main ones. I've I've watched different interviews from military personnel mm-hmm. in a war zone. They have strict rules of engagement when it comes to shooting somebody, right? You have to do all of these things before you do that. Her saying that if he was a two-way supporting gun owner and he had a gun, he could shoot him. You're right. He could. What makes you think that he actually would have, first and foremost? Like, if I have a gun and someone breaks into my house, my first initial reaction is not to shoot the person. It's to threaten them and say, stop. And get him out. Right. Because there are certain states and certain places where you have your stand, your your ground laws, but you can't just do that everywhere. Like, imagine if you were out in a diner and someone, like, th- walks in, guns toting, starts threatening everybody. You can't just pull out your gun and pop somebody. Certain places you can, but not everywhere. It's like, you're not trained. You don't know how people are going to react. So just because of the fact that he could have a gun or be supportive of this does not mean, first of all, he's going to kill somebody or shoot somebody. Mm-hmm. But then the idea that this person who is probably not trained because most people who have a gun permit aren't properly trained. Or, I mean, if they have a gun permit, they're probably a little bit trained. But some people who can just open carry without a permit yeah. aren't trained. So God knows what they're going to actually do in the situation. There's so many different things that you actually look at this and dig into it. You're like, you're just fucking stupid. Uh, Her instance for saying why it's an immigration issue on top of gun issues is because this guy, David uh, DePape or whatever, was from British Columbia, Canada, who came in and attacked. Fucking Canadians. I know, right? But the thing is with these immigration laws that she's specifically trying to use as justification are not targeting... Canadians, they're targeting people from Central and South America, right, or the Middle East. It is not for what we consider white Canadians. And the dad of this guy, the attacker, was interviewed and said, "Well, he's been living in the United States for twenty years. <laughs> yeah, his visa did end. That is true, but he's been living there in the United States for twenty years, right? So it's and that and he's forty-two. Or something like that. So it's like half of his life he's lived in the United States. So at that point, are how much of it, yeah, you're nationally Canadian, but you're an American. You've been living here for damn near all of your life. So yeah. it's more horseshit. <laughs> um, when questioned whether her own rhetoric, um, suggesting that Nancy Pelosi should be killed or for alleged treason on social media had anything to do with the attack. Marjorie Taylor Greene responded, it is completely wrong for any member of Congress to receive death threats, while also alleging that death threats like these are consistent because of Twitter's blue checkmark, insane left crazy conspiracy theories, and lies about me. Yeah, I saw that too. I was so confused about that. So she's still trying to manage and spin it to seem like she is the victim? Yes. 
even though it's like, well, you are literally telling your own constituents and people that are as batshit crazy as you that Nancy Pelosi is committing treason, and guess what the punishment for treason is? And then people go out and do this shit. So it's like, right. again... But I didn't make them do it. You're right, you did You didn't make them do it, but guess what? I don't know if you're aware words have power. Right. It's just... <laughs> There, I could dig in so long as to like what the problem is with far right conservatism and how they believe in breaking down their logic to be like this is stupid. I'm not, but she just doesn't. She could literally do the whole Donald Trump thing where she has a clip of what she said a couple. Years ago, weeks ago, mm-hmm. months ago, whatever the time frame may be, and be like, "Well, they just doctored that." I didn't say that, and people would actually fucking believe her. I think she has done that. Yeah, actually, I think she has her own personal recordings of her in front of her computer talking about QAnon conspiracies, and then people have brought it up to her and be like, "Do you realize how either racist or anti-Semitic or whatever this is?" And she's like, "Oh no, I didn't say that." Right, and they're like, "Well, here's the video," and she's like, "Well, that's not real." So it's like. What the fuck are you even talking about? Yeah, because she'll delete it off her Facebook or her Twitter and be like, I never did that. See, it's not it's, there. It's not there. There's no record of it. Except, you know, all data is recorded for everyone to see. So yeah. she irritates me, but yet we keep talking about her. And it's so easy because she does so, so many much stupid things. Dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next news topic. Yes. I called it Confusing Second Amendment because why not talk about it? So. Judge Carlton Reeves of Mississippi is considering a case concerning a federal statute prohibiting felons from possessing firearms, and he is ordering the Justice Department to brief him on whether or not he needs to appoint a historian to aid in the court ruling. This is because the opinion New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin changed the framework judges must use to review gun regulations. Going forward, uh, Justice Thomas said that a gun law could only be justified if it is, quote, consistent consistent with the nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation. In his order, Judge Reeves said the court is not a trained historian. The justices of the Supreme Court, as distinguished as they may be, are not trained historians, and we are not experts in what white wealthy and male property owners thought about firearm regulation in in 1791. Very good point. Yeah. This is where it kind of gets murky though. The challenger in the case that judge Reeves is overseeing said about this regulation, quote, founding era legislations, legislatures did not strip felons of the right to bear arms simply because of their statutes as felons. This is what some people were worried about when Bruin was first ruled on. Because, I mean, think about this, right? We have established for a while, felons, once you have that status, cannot own guns. This is being challenged now because of the history excuse me, of the Second Amendment. And felons having guns prior. Right. Yeah. Because you said the history on how this is done... Looking at the originalist point of view, yeah, have guns. Even if you're a felon, they don't matter. This is exactly why so many people were worried. Because now felons might be able to have guns. Depending on the state you're in. Yeah. This is problematic. But let's 
Let's be all for the originalist point of view on the Second Amendment. That was during musket season. <laughs> yeah, right. Not even. Well, it would be comparable to what musket season is now. Of yeah, there's no semi-automatic, fully automatic, different attachments and shit like that back then. It was like, well, we have this rifled barrel, but it takes you know for a good marksman twenty, thirty seconds to load. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, they weren't super accurate. No. You'd like, have to be relatively close. The technology has become so advanced. Again, I'm not against guns. But you have to look at the fact that guns and technology of guns have changed exponentially since that amendment was written in the Constitution. Match what needs to be matched with the times. Mm-hmm. You can still have guns. Cool. But regulate this shit. Yeah. Another gun story, oddly enough, there is a second school district in the state of Iowa that has approved unanimously uh, approving staff to carry firearms on school grounds. The Cherokee Iowa Public School voted uh, earlier, I should say not earlier, but it was last month in October, Um, In a board meeting that staff can carry firearms on school grounds, Uh, the superintendent, Kimberly Lingenfelter, states, no one wants guns in school, but we want a bad guy with a gun even less. The board has really taken a very measured and serious approach to the challenge of protecting students, keeping students uh, and staff safe. Uh, All staff approved to carry a gun on school grounds will have monthly trainings with an oversight committee appointed to determine how the policy is to be used or how it's being used. As a teacher, I do not agree with having more guns on school grounds as they are currently uh, gun-free zones. So I could... Why do I keep saying this? I could talk about a lot of reasons why I don't like this, but I'm going to hit on the main one that a lot of people like to talk about from the right point of view. Because I've talked to a couple people that I know who are right-wing and gun lovers who have talked about this, is the idea that if someone were to break in for a school shooting, that they would have someone on site to help out. I'm going to use the Uvalde shooting as a prime example. Why did the police not go in? Legitimate question. Why did the police not go in? Uh, from your point of view. From my point of view, um, and I'm sorry for these officers because I'm sure they were at least somewhat decent prior to the event, but they're pussies. Okay. They did not want to lose their life or get injured. Okay. So that's one reason that it could be. For the people who are here to respond to those and their life means less than the people they're trying to protect, let's go from their point of view. They have rules that they have to follow. Again, rules of engagement. There are certain things you have to do in order to be able to go in. You can't just go in half-cocked, guns blazing, looking for a person that has a gun and shoot them down. Because first and foremost, you could shoot someone who's innocent trying to get out because they look like they have something in their hand. We've seen that plenty of times. Do we not remember George Zimmerman? Mm -hmm. I mean, not a police officer, just still point stands. But there's certain things that need to be addressed. They need to see where's the best place to go in. What's our plan going forward? You have a resource officer there 
who has a gun or a couple teachers who have a gun and they're trained on how to use it. Great. But they still don't have a plan going in. Yeah. You might get that one off. That was like, if someone tries to shoot up a school, you have one person to blows them and it's done right there. But chances are that's not going to happen because they're still going to have to follow a certain criteria of rules before they can engage. So the idea that you have guns on school grounds to help, fight this problem to me is not going to actually help because you're still going to have to fucking wait for orders. It's a very simplistic way of looking at a problem of like, Oh, well there's a bad guy with a gun. Well, we just make sure that there's a good guy with a gun there to stop them. But you're not thinking about the whole process that would have to happen in order for that good guy to stop the bad guy. Yes. Because even police officers in the rules of engagement that they have, there has to be a lot of justification in what they have to do in order to shoot somebody and the paperwork that they fill out, if they didn't do something correctly, they're going to be in trouble for it. No matter how good the idea was, if you go in, you shoot the wrong person, guess what? You're getting fucking flack for that. You know, even if you shoot the right person, but you didn't do it properly, you're still going to get flack for that. Sure. The people might love you, but that's not how that works. Yeah. So the idea that in order to fight gun violence, with gun violence on schools with good people is not a good argument because there's still rules to follow. Yeah. Boom. And <laughs> even if it's I Cherokee, I know is a larger quote unquote, larger school district on the Western Northwestern side of Iowa. Ah, uh, that explains that. It's not very big, but it's one of the larger ones over in that area just because what else are you going to fucking do out in the middle of nowhere? So this doesn't surprise me that the fact that they have uh, approved having staff or teachers with guns on campus, it's just the necessity of it, I'm sorry, is just not there. And really there are other steps that you should take prior to this. I don't know if they have a school resource officer or not. Um, I can't speak on that. If they don't, then this seems like an overstep. If they do... Still seems like an overstep because I haven't heard of any school shootings in Cherokee fucking Iowa. So my thought process is, well, if you have a resource officer, it's working. And if you don't have a resource officer, get a resource officer first. That's just simple math in my head. (laughs) Yeah. Other surprise topics or topics in general. Yeah. So I found mine today. And I'm just going to pretty much read from the article. Some conservatives are turning on Trump again. Well, good. But this time, for what seems like to be a more legitimate reason for them to actually say, you're you're done. So he was at a rally, I think, in Pennsylvania trying to talk, like, promote Oz. And he spent, like, 40 minutes talking about not Mohammed Oz about Hillary Clinton and some conspiracy theories and the election being stolen and a whole bunch of different slew of things that doesn't matter. General talking points. Yes. But at one point in time, he brought up the numbers of him, Ron DeSantis and somebody else. And he mocked, Ron DeSantis calling him Ron DeSanctimonious. <laughs> and I didn't know what sanctimonious meant because I'm not overly intelligent. So if you don't know what it means either, it means making a show of being morally superior to other people, which 
Trump does quite frequently, so that was ironic. Mm-hmm. And some conservatives are having a huge problem with this. Um, some of the quotes that I have seen is uh, DeSantis is an extremely effective conservative governor who has had real policy wins and real culture wins. Trump isn't going to be able to take this one down with a dumb nickname. He better have more than that up his sleeve. Um, there's another one. Oh, right here. Also, nice job launching your public attack against the most popular conservative governor in America three days before the midterm when we're all supposed to be showing a united front. Like, how dumb are you? Like, seriously. He's not dumb, but he also views himself as the best and the clear option for conservatives going forward. So right. He's, he's like, I, fuck it. I'll, I'm the guy. Well, this is why it's dumb is because even though he might be the guy, whether or not, because DeSantis hasn't even actually said whether he's going to run or not. He probably so, will. Right. But if you still believe that you're going to be the guy, you are once again mocking the people who are supposed to be there to help you. Yeah. I mean, he talked about Ted Cruz, too, which doesn't surprise me. But Ted Cruz, like we all know, will roll over and show his belly for some rubs whenever Trump wants. But are you seriously that dumb to attack probably the most liked conservative person right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's dumb. Like, this is just so stupid. So if he doesn't win, he's going to be all petty and tell people not to vote for Ron DeSantis. He might even run independently. I actually hope that does actually happen because that'll split the Republican Party and make Democrats winning a lot easier. I just hope Joe Biden doesn't run again because that's just... Not a good choice. It's just not a good choice. Yeah. But that's beyond the point. He's getting old. Trump is dumb. He's doing something he shouldn't once again. So hopefully this works in our favor. It won't. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, My next or my surprise topic is I labeled it Scream Queens. Um, There was a viral video that went around throughout the month of October uh, of former... Mississippi daycare workers scaring kids in daycare <laughs> while wearing a creepy mask that uh, has prompted child abuse charges against five daycare workers. Oh, the video shows an employee walking around the daycare with a mask on, yelling at kids to clean up, and then are you being bad? Uh, the video in question shows an unidentified employee of Little Blessings Child Care in Hamilton wandering around screaming and crying children in what appears to be a mask from uh, the movie Scream, Ghostface or whatever it is. Former employees Sierra McCandless, uh, Osai Anna Kimburn, and Jennifer Newman and Shanae Shelton each face three counts of felony abuse charges, and Tracy Hudson faces failure to report abuse and simple assault against a minor, both of those being misdemeanors. But it's interesting. Um, you look at the video and you're like, man, those are some shitty people scaring kids in that way. And they just keep going around doing it. So I can see why. And if I was a parent of one of these kids that's now going to be tormented, yeah, I'd be pretty fucking upset. It's just so funny that <laughs> these people are uh, facing felony child abuse charges <laughs> right? For, guess, for this. I, I, mean, I guess that's my problem with it is like, yeah, should they have done it? Absolutely not. Would I kind of find this funny? Probably. Do I? A little bit. But felony charges? 
Yeah. So like they're gonna be listed felons if convicted. I think that's a little steep. If maybe I were, a fine is good. If I were them, I would make sure that my lawyer's trying to work in a deal where we'll plead to a lesser charge. Yeah. <laughs> Something other than felony, because that's yeah. gonna be that's gonna fuck you over for the rest of your life. And it's even funnier that it's child daycare workers. And it's just these women in, or not these women, but this particular woman that's in a mask just going around scaring kids. It is Halloween season. I I get that. But like, Jesus fucking Christ. Where did the idea come from? I, I guess. do not know. <laughs> I have no idea. Just the fact that this existed. I'm like, this is funny. Well, all right then. Because I don't remember any of this happening when I was in daycare. I mean, my lady that ran the daycare that i went to just did her nails and we watched days of our lives that was basically my i mean <laughs> daycare i had a traumatic experience. experience at daycare but it was just because i had to eat strawberries but i, I guess mine not traumatic but her she did i this, still don't eat strawberries because of it this i know this daycare worker had older children that were like in maybe early high school or high school when i was like four or five going there and they did abuse us in a way of like try to be like here i'm gonna put my feet up against yours and you have to push your legs as hard as you can and then they just shove my knees into my face with their legs because they're fucking grown adults (laughs) (laughs) or they would be outside and then like oh everything's gonna turn into a rough sport so then they fucking push you down to the ground (laughs) so it's like all right yeah expected of these you know fucking high schoolers but Oh, well. Entertainment. Yes. Moving into, I mean, the only bit of sad news I guess I have is that Aaron Carter died yesterday, which was a huge shock. I saw it come up on my phone. I'm like, Aaron Carter died. And then, of course, my girlfriend being younger was like, who? I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell me you don't know who Aaron Carter is. Yeah. Nick Carter's brother. Yeah. She's like, I don't know who that is. I'm like, all right, well, let me play you some music <laughs> by Aaron Carter. And she didn't like it. And it's not good, but. His, music, his brother's music's good. His brother's music's not bad. But his is, yeah, not the, not yeah, the best. From what I saw is that, well, I didn't read the article or see anything about it, but from last I knew, he was having a lot of problems with substance abuse and was trying to get better. Yeah, the images that I saw of him were completely different than how I remember him yes. being. So I'm like, something is up. Yeah. He did die at 34. The police found him uh, unresponsive in a bathtub, and they labeled him with no foul play, um, dying of drowning. What 34-year-old drowns in a in his thrown tub? A tweaked out. Yeah. So yeah. assuming that he was under the influence of some type of drug, he passed out, assumably, and just drowned, which is sad for how young he is and for at least pop culture-wise in our childhood growing up. It was a huge shock. Yeah. Bad movie plot guesses. Let's do it. Okay. I have three. Okay. Um, do you got a theme today? I, yes, All I'm right. only assuming that you've seen one <laughs> of <laughs> okay. these. I don't know how confident you are. I I would say that you've seen two of these for sure. But uh, going into it, Goofy Inventor creates a sentient, destructive Flutter. slime. Yep, that uses kinetic energy to destroy its surroundings. Love Flubber. Flubber. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, so you probably already know Robin the theme. Williams. Yeah, the theme is Robin Williams. So you'll get this next one then. A rich kid ignores uh, subconscious African drumming and spends 26 years in a jungle game. Jumanji. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one else can hear it but them, so it has to be subconscious. Yep. All right. Last one. 
Robot Butler learns that what it means to be a human, falls in love, becomes a human, and then dies at the ripe old age of, age of 200. A robot. Mm-hmm. And if you have not seen this movie, which I'm assuming you have not, I would recommend seeing this movie. I don't think I have. I have no right. idea. Bicentennial Man. Uh-uh. It's a good one. Okay. Robin Williams plays a... It's a. He's actually in a suit that looks like a robot for the first portion of the movie. Okay. And he's a butler to this family. It takes place in like 2005. So it was in the future of like, uh, oh, we're going to have robot butlers and shit. Sure. Uh, the professor from Jurassic Park, the main dude from Sam Jurassic Park. Sam Neill. Yeah. He plays the dad of this rich family that has this butler. And first off, you know, it's this naive robot, doesn't know human interactions or anything like that. So they teach him some things about humans. He becomes interested, starts acting more like a human, but then he wants to look like a human. So he gets an upgrade, and he looks like Robin Williams. Interesting. It's a very good movie. And it's, honestly, I think one of his best. I'll check it out. I love Robin Williams I do, too. We'll move on to social events coming up this next weekend. So we have... Gales of November in Duluth, Minnesota from November 11th through the 12th. You can listen to experts discuss Lake Superior shipwrecks and maritime history. There are social events, too, open to the public. Then we have Train Fest in West Alleys, Wisconsin from November 12th through the 13th. The nation's largest operating model railway show includes more than 60 scenic railroads, clinics for hobbyists, and many children's activities. I love model train. Oh, my God. They're sweet, man. I know a lady that I work with at uh, school. Her husband is a big train enthusiast, so I don't know if he's aware of this. He probably is if he is. I'm not a train enthusiast, but my, my grandpa had like a model train set growing up, and it was always the best thing to see. This guy travels across the state of Iowa to see like different types of trains go down the track. He's into it. Uh, well, you should tell her to tell him to work at the train maintenance facility in <laughs> Shell Rock. Um, last but not least, we have Art on the Prairie in Perry, Iowa from November 12th to the 13th as well. This free festival northwest of Des Moines showcases more than 100 Iowa artists, poets, and musicians in seven venues, including the Hotel Pati in the downtown historic and cultural district. There will also be children's activities. You gotta, always got to have kids' activities. Well, if you're going to bring adults there, you can't just leave the kids at home. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you can. Well, not, Remember teenage babysitters. We don't have enough teenage babysitters. <laughs> okay. I'm assuming. Unpopular opinions. Yes. Uh, Let's start with yours because I know we're going to disagree on this. Okay. So mine is I think mustard is the best condiment. All right. Already disagree, and I'm going to give you guys listening some background to this, because we were going to debate, because I brought up to Eric a question, what is the most versatile condiment, and he said mustard, and he's absolutely wrong, his only right answer is mayonnaise. Nope. And so, for him, mustard is the best condiment. I'm going to stick with this really quick. I still disagree. The best condiment is ranch. No, not that's not a condiment. How? What what defines condiment? Something that you would put on a uh, meal. You you can put ranch on meals. 
Okay, but you don't just put ranch on a burger. That is also not true. So you're telling me if I go to Applebee's, I'd be like, hey, can I get uh, this burger by... I want you, instead of putting ketchup on it, I want you to put ranch on it. They will do it because I'm asking, but yeah. that's not how it comes. Right. What comes normally on a burger? Ketchup. And? Maybe mustard. Mustard. Okay. So, <laughs> Well, even if we're going to go with ketchup, mustard, mayo as condiments, just those few, ketchup is still better than mustard. No. Yes. It's not. It really is. It's a lot less healthy for you. It's not better. Ooh. Yeah. It's not, I'm all about unhealthy food. It's not better for you. It's not a matter of what's better for you. It's what's better tasting. Yeah, it doesn't taste good either. It does, actually. <laughs> yeah. Not in the slightest. Mustard so, uh, is the best. You're wrong. I'll, I'll let you have your belief. You just are wrong. What is better than having, like, honey mustard for dipping for chicken? Ranch. No. Yes. Honey mustard. I like honey mustard. But it's not better than ranch or stone gr- mayo. or stone ground mustard on a sandwich or Gross. deli mustard no. for deli sandwiches. I've never been a big mustard fan. Ballpark uh, mustard for different <laughs> like uh, brats or hot dogs. I or can on think burgers. of literally any other condiment to put. I will not put mustard on anything unless it's like a hot dog. Very rarely or mustard in like uh, potato salad or egg salad. Yeah, I mean you have to put that in there. But guess what? Also, you put in there mayonnaise. Every one of those are mayo-based. It's definitely not for flavor. It definitely is, yeah. No, mayo does not have much of a flavor. That's yes, why. That's why you have to combine it with a bunch of no, shit. No, you don't. You tell me. Okay, let's make... Um, Do you know how many French people actually eat fries with mayonnaise? Oh, that's really popular in Europe. You're going to seriously sit here and tell me that a lot of the population of the world doesn't like mayonnaise This is stuff? a Pulp Fiction here. <laughs> <laughs> We're not <laughs> referencing... Really out, yeah. Yeah, this is not a Royale cheese where they dip fries in mayo. This is the United States. Okay. We, uh, well, some people do that, but okay. those are uh, obese people. Ah. Uh, uh, mustard is just be- better. So, best oh, I condiment. I believe that. Yours? Yes. Agree or disagree right away? Um, I... It's broad a little bit. Yeah, I don't really have a feeling on this, I guess. All right. So... My unpopular opinion is dialogue-driven movies are some of the best movies. I had originally actually typed this up as if done right, but any movie, if done correctly, is good. Yeah. But I think of movies like 12 Angry Men. That's honestly... Gran Torino. Yeah. two, Two movies that I have easily in like my top 25. Right. Movies that there's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of... Uh, violence. There's not a lot of, um, I guess, quote unquote, entertainment where it's really dry to the casual viewer, but it's, it's greatness comes from the writing and the dialogue being acted by the actors Yeah, are some of my favorite ones because those ones are the ones that not only make you think, but they make you actually pay attention and be invested in the movie, right? I can watch any superhero movie and kind of like zone out and just have a fight scene going on and be like, ooh, pretty, cool. Yeah. But how much dialogue is actually being portrayed in those movies? Because I'm a huge Marvel fan. Some might uh, say that this the choreography is a dialogue in itself. Yes, you can make some, that argument. Some could make that argument. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of good things about different movies and why they become 
good and what makes them that way. But with dialogue-driven movies, to me, those are like the some of the best movies because it shows how talented these actors and writers are. Yeah. And you don't need a whole lot of flair to be good. And I think that's why Martin Scorsese had a huge problem with Marvel. I think he also just doesn't like the fact right. of like, they're just so gimmicky to him. And as like a true film historian that he is, I'm sure you just like, this is just a bunch of colors and moving parts. What's the, what's the substance? Mm. I'm sure he's probably thinking. Yeah. So for me, that's, that's, that's my unpopular opinion. I love dialogue driven movies. Some are really bad, but a lot of them are good. A lot of them are really good. I mean, in a way, a good balance of it is like Quentin Tarantino movies. We were just talking about Pulp Fiction of like, there is a very, at least I shouldn't say even balance because the violence just does come at random with a bunch of veracity at, in a lot of his movies. But I mean, a lot of it is dialogue mm-hmm. and it just kind of builds into these moments of just like grotesque violence. Well, look at a, since we're talking about Tarantino, I don't want to take up too much time on this, but like his first movie, Reservoir Dogs, the dialogue in that movie was so good. Yeah, very small bits of actual violence or yeah. action. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's still one of my favorite movies. God, that movie's so good. If you guys haven't seen Reservoir Dogs, fucking watch it, man. That movie is awesome. It's really good. This day in history, to wrap up this week's episode, uh, starting with the most recent, going back to furthest in time, we are starting with 1979, where the Ayatollah Khomeini uh, takes over Iran, uh, turning it into what would be called a theocracy, where the religion is dominant government body. In 1913, you have Mahatma Gandhi arrested for leading the Indian Miners March in South Africa. 1860, Republican Abraham Lincoln of Illinois is elected the 16th president of the United States of America. As you can probably guess, with this being very close to traditional election season, there were a lot of different presidents I could have chose for this day in history, but I chose not to. This one being obviously one of the more significant ones, because a year later, a different president, quote unquote, was elected, but he was the president of the South, so we don't count him. And then 1813... Uh, the Chilpancingo Congress declares Mexico independent from Spain. So Mexico becoming its own independent nation separate from Spain. Famous birthdays. A lot of actors and actresses. Yeah. We have Sally Field, Emma Stone, Ethan Hawke. Um, and then we have Sal Volcano, the comedian from... Um, what's that show that he had or has with the other comedians that like play tricks on each other. That's very helpful. Oh, you're talking about impractical jokers. Impractical jokers. Yeah. Sal from impractical jokers. Sal. Yeah. And then Lamar Odom, the former NBA player has a birthday today as well. All right. That wraps up this week's episode of the tension podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. Um, please spread the word and encourage others to listen. You can follow us on Twitter at DetentionPod1 or send us an email at DetentionPodcast1 at gmail.com. Just also as a side note, I did interview a different guest separately from Cody that I will be editing and hopefully uploading here soon of a discussion with a uh, gentleman that I found interesting to kind of want to talk to. Very different than um, 
anything I've ever experienced. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to get that up there. We uh we got a lot of good responses from having our guests last week. So I don't think we're gonna have one every week, but we'll try to make that a little bit more I guess consistent just because yeah. it seemed to play well and so it's always nice having a different point of view every now and again. So in a different voice and now that we can at least accommodate someone else makes it the conversation a little bit more vibrant too. Uh, you can listen to the Detention Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. With that, your detention has been served. We will see you again next week.